Hello, and welcome to the Three Timbers podcast series, Life Interrupted. Today we are joined by Jeff Ryan and Joe Slaybaugh. Welcome back to Life Interrupted Podcast. I am Jeff, and I'm here with always with Joe Slaybaugh, president of the New Kids on the Block fan club in Omaha, Nebraska. Joe, it is great to be with you. Wow. How are you doing? Wow. I don't even know if I was alive when New Kids on the Block was popular, Jeff. Wow. Are you a One Direction guy? I was um, a 98 Degrees guy. Yeah, I can see that. When I was in high school, not high school, when I was in middle school, that was a big deal. Um... Yeah, New Kids on the Block, I think I was like maybe a baby. A baby. I don't think they let presidents be babies and babies be presidents. I don't know if that works. What was your boy band growing up? Uh, Well, I was obviously the fifth member of Boys to Men. Um, I had you pegged for Jackson 5. Out of Philadelphia. No, 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 I'm not that old. So Boys to Men, uh, Motown Philly, it's kind of my jam. It's kind of what I did. So I don't like to get into how the transition happened. Fair enough. Um, But let's just just leave it at that. But um, Respect. So how have you been doing? What what have you been doing since our last broadcast? I'm doing well. uh, Life is full, as always. Um, Just loving the fall season. We had a... Surprise birthday party for my mother-in-law not too long ago. That was a lot of fun. Um, The fall is really filled up with birthdays and anniversaries in my family. So basically from September through the beginning of December, it's just constantly family get-togethers and birthdays and anniversaries. And then you have holidays. So it's very, very busy and very full. Um, That's how it is every year for me. But I love it that way. It's, It's wonderful. To quote an old oh, mentor of mine, nice. like that. Yeah, yeah, he did that. Yeah. Wonderful, man. He's a poet, and he the just didn't know it. The puns are strong over here. Oh what can I man, say? you're very. What funny. about you, buddy? What's been going on? Ah, uh, just a lot of cliff jumping, um, <laughs> diving out of airplanes. If uh, you listen to a our... page out of Joey's book, yeah, out of Joey's book. But uh, you guys I jumped into a out volcano our episode last time yes. on episode six. Joey McKernan was with us, and he was sharing some incredible stories that he's been a part of. Um, and the courageous things that he's done that we can never relate to. So, but clearly, you have taken advantage of that. I have, and uh, I've done some cliff jumping, uh, some volcano jumping. Uh, so I'm tr- I'm really trying to catch up with Joey, um, seeing if I can see if I can get at his level. Um, but we'll see, we'll see, we'll keep going. Dare to dream. Dare to dream. And I just think 98 degrees. I absolutely can see that. You know, it was a fight between 98 degrees and sync back then. Wow. Because back when I was, you know, when you're in sixth grade, it's whatever was on Disney Channel was popular. Back then, they would do music videos all the time. I know music videos are not a big thing anymore because they all go to YouTube and they're not on TV. But Disney Channel and the boy bands and 98 degrees versus NSYNC, that was a big, big fight. Big fight. So whose poster did you have in your room, 98 Degrees or NSYNC? I think you had that misunderstood. I did not have any boy band posters in my room. I had, like, baseball players' posters in my room. But I liked 98 Degrees. Maybe you misunderstood the situation. I, I was a fan of 98 Degrees, but did not worship them in that way. I, I think this is just it, very confusing to a lot of us right now, very concerning. But we'll just go with that. Bottom line is... You are a fan of 98 Degrees, and you had some posters in your room is what I'm getting. I feel like I'm being backed into a corner. <laughs> um, I think the word that's been going around 2020 would be fake news. Fake news. Is that what's fake happening news? right now? Yes. Well, let's get to some real news, and go. that is the story of Joseph. 
as we continue on in our Life Interrupted podcast with Joseph's story. And boy, did his life get interrupted from his brothers selling him into slavery um, to being accused of something by Potiphar's wife. There's a lot that's been going on in Joseph's life, and that's not fake news. The Bible is good news. It is the truth of God's Word, and so we're going to continue to kind of go through our story, set our stage a little bit here as we move here to chapter 41, and I think something that we're all going to be able to relate to, and that's when we're going through a really good season of life and a really hard season of life. So how did we get to this point, Joe? Mm. Yeah, if you guys have been listening with us and been tuning in to previous episodes, and you would know our series right now is focusing in on how Joseph's life was interrupted in the book of Genesis. And we're trying to understand God's purpose behind that. So if you've been paying attention to us at all, then you would know that Joseph was sold into slavery when he was a teenager at 17 years old, that he spent 13 years as a slave and then as a prisoner in Egypt, where he was moved to as a slave. He, he started out working for a man named Potiphar. He was doing a great job. Joseph, one theme with Joseph consistently is that he's a hard worker and he's a very trustworthy man. But through things that happened outside of his own circumstances, outside of his own control, Joseph was falsely accused of sexual harassment and he was thrown into prison. Um, and he spends 10 years in prison, which is just, it's phenomenal. But last time we got together, I believe in um, episode five with you guys, we were talking about how Joseph was in prison and he met these two other men that had worked for the king of Egypt, the title of Pharaoh. And these two servants of Pharaoh were thrown into prison for displeasing him. Well, they had a dream while in prison, that really freaked them both out. Individual dreams, but both equally impactful. And the next morning, Joseph said, hey, I can interpret your dream if you want to, what's been going on. And the first man, who was the chief's cupbearer, or the chief cupbearer to Pharaoh, rather, explained his dream, and Joseph interpreted it. And then Pharaoh's chief baker, who was the other man that was thrown in prison, he had his dream, and Joseph interpreted that. Um, and both circumstances turned out to be true. Exactly what Joseph predicted turned out to be true. The circumstances were that the cupbearer would be reassigned to his old position and he'd be forgiven of his crimes, and the baker was actually going to be executed for his crimes. Um, and that's, that's a tough word to share with somebody. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to have those tough conversations, and yet God calls us to that sometimes. Well, the last thing that we remember from our conversation in chapter 40 is that Joseph asked the cupbearer, the man who was going to go back to his old job, he asked the cupbearer to remember him and to bring up his circumstance to Pharaoh, to tell Pharaoh that there is an innocent man who is in prison right now who didn't do what he was accused of doing and never got a fair trial. Well, unfortunately, the cupbearer, as we read the very last verse of chapter 40, cupbearer completely forgets about it. Yep. So now we find ourselves in chapter 41, and it has been another full two years since Joseph has shared those dreams in prison, Joseph is still in prison. Everybody has forgotten about him at this point, and it's just chaos in his life because he has no hope, really. There's no human hope at this point for Joseph. The only thing that he can trust is that God is in control. And that's kind of where we are presented to chapter 41. Well, and I think it points to the fact, too, that sometimes we have seasons of waiting. And the Bible clearly says that our time is not God's time, mm. that God works in different time frames than we do. And so 
Joseph did feel that God forgot him. Joseph, you know, was waiting upon God. But when we wait upon God, good things will happen. And so we now come to chapter 41, where it's really interesting what happens, because now Pharaoh is having dreams. And he can't really understand the dreams. And the first dreams, it says, um, he was standing by the Nile, where out of the river came up seven cows, sleek and fat. They gazed among the reeds. After them, some other cows, ugly and gaunt, came out of the Nile and stood there. So we see this dream, and it, like, it sounds like pretty good. You know, in an agricultural society, this is looking really good, but he didn't know it. Then he has another dream. And then this other dream, it, it, it's kind of the opposite of that. It's, it's kind of a negative thing. And so he's got these two dreams. You know, one is kind of really good. And one is really kind of bad. And so now Joseph gets in the mix and he's asked, and I love what he says here in verse 16. Um, Pharaoh says, I had a dream. No one can interpret it, but I've heard said that you, when you hear a dream, can interpret it. And Joseph says in 16, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Joseph understood that God was the one who had the answer to Pharaoh's dilemma. And it makes me think, and I don't know what you think, Joe, it makes me think of when we find ourselves with a dilemma in life, when we don't understand what something means or what's next or what we're supposed to do, to know that God has the answer is so comforting versus trying to find that answer somewhere else. Mm, It's very comforting. At the same time, it's also very humbling because. If you guys are like me, and I won't speak for Jeff, but I can definitely speak for myself, I want to figure things out immediately, and I don't want to wait on anybody else's timetable. And sometimes God has answers for us, but they're not going to happen in the timeline that we're hoping for. Um, and actually, this is happening in chapter 41, as Jeff was explaining the two different dreams that Pharaoh had, both of them starting out good, both of them ending badly. He can't figure it out. Well, actually, Pharaoh looked for answers at every other possible corner before he was told about Joseph. Remember, Joseph was a prisoner. Pharaoh had no relationship with Joseph at this point. But when he has his dreams, he calls out throughout the entire kingdom, bringing in all the wise men, all the magicians, all the mediums that Egypt has to offer. He asks all these guys, hey, somebody interpret my dream. And nobody could do it. And then finally, after all this misunderstanding and nobody saying they can interpret the dream. The cupbearer, the man that Joseph had talked to two years ago, remembers Joseph's name and he says, hey, I know a guy who can interpret dreams. And isn't that the case with God sometimes where it is so comforting to know that God knows the plans for, that he has for us, yet at the same time, sometimes he's the last person that I look to for help. Sometimes I will look to every other option every other possible solution or answer before I finally say, hey, what does God have in store here? And I think that's a personal fault that I've struggled with before. I think that's something that a lot of us struggle with. And here in Genesis 41, I definitely see that Pharaoh is looking for an answer to his life question, an answer to his very scary dreams in every other person except for God. And then finally, at last, he comes to Joseph, and Joseph says, yeah, I can do it. Why? Because God can interpret the dreams that you have. God can reveal the desires of his people. Um, It's really humbling for me to recognize that we need to go to God first. Yeah. Because I think too often we go to God last. Well, and I I love your your phrase there, the big question, life's big question. And, And I think that's a moving target. 
I think, you know, our life's big question can be different when you're this age versus that age. And But life always has a big question. I mean, right now, we all have that big question in our life. Uh, school, finances, job, the pandemic, right? And and you're right. We all do. It's not just you. It's all of us. We don't look to God first. We end up, if at all, we look to God last. And so I think it's understanding the first thing is when you're trying to answer life's big question is where are you looking? Mm. And if you're not looking to God first, why do you expect to find that answer? And so Pharaoh had to go through the laundry list. And once he finally got to the end and realized, oh, I, I remember there's this guy, you know, let's go to God. I mean, that's where the answers are. Can, can you think of a time when you were trying to get an answer to maybe one of life's big questions, and when you finally got around to seeking God, how you got that answer? Yeah, I remember when Afton and I were first married, and we were in an apartment, and we were trying to figure out how we were going to make finances match because we weren't making a lot of money. We had a lot of student loan debt. Um, we didn't know what we were going to do. And we were trying to plan ahead for our future and yet at the same time put food on the table. And we're in this apartment. We love this apartment. Um, and we were having some conversations about, well, what, what can we do to make our financial situation better? Do we need to find a smaller apartment to go live in? Do we need to go to move into some sort of a, an older house that we could save some money or a small house? Do we need to buy something? Because maybe a mortgage, even though it's going to be a longer-term payoff, it's going to be cheaper. Um, what, what should we do? And I'll admit this. Afton and I, we looked at a lot of different options before we stopped, and we said, well, what does God want us to do? And we were guilty of trying to figure out the problem ourselves rather than going to God first. Um, and it made it so much tougher <laughs> because we were disagreeing constantly. I wanted certain things in a, you know, another living space than she did. And neither one of us knew what the right answer was going to be. And neither one of us knew how much money we were trying to save. We just knew that we needed to save money because we felt crushed by the amount of debt that we had and the lack of finances that we had to plan for our future. So once we finally stopped and we said, you know, we really need to put God first, we need to start praying about this, and we need to figure out what the plan is and how we can pursue it. It, it got us on the same page, and we were able to figure out a solution that was very creative, but we were able to figure out a solution that helped us out and got us to leapfrog forward. You know, and that's and that sometimes has to happen, right? We have to go through all of the things that don't work until we realize God is the answer. And I know for us, you know, we when we were married, we were married for probably about six years and just were unable to have a child and, and we followed every path that we could. And I remember we were in Sacramento and uh kind of a church was talking to us out there and a great friend of ours and he and his wife, they knew our desire to have kids and we were in a restaurant. And uh, his name was Sherwood, still still a, a great guy, a man of God today. Um, so we're going to pray for you. And right there in the restaurant, uh, Sherwood and his wife, they just laid hands on Christy and I, and they just prayed. And that whole restaurant heard their prayer. Mm. I mean, whether you were going to the salad bar or you were getting another drink, you heard Brother Sherwood bringing a prayer. And we were just humbled by it. We were so humbled. And can I tell you that shortly after that, we became pregnant. 
Mm. And it wasn't until we said, God, we can't find the answers and the hope we need for this. But when we finally surrendered and said, God, we want you to guide us. And we had people pray earnestly like that. Uh, we, to this day, believe that that's, that was God's provision for us. And it, it didn't just provide us with our wonderful daughter, Selah. It helped us have a greater insight into the power of seeking God first um, in everything that we do so his will would be done. And, and what I love about what Joseph did here is he knew his limitations. He knew his limitations. He didn't have the answer. And we don't operate that well. Right, we we feel like we have to have the answers to every situation, you know. We feel like somehow we're defeated if we go, I don't have the answer. But really, the only time you're defeated is when you don't realize that God has the answer. Can can you think of a, maybe an example, if not in your own life in Scripture, when the world would say, "Well, you got it wrong and you're defeated," but really you got it right because you went to God. And how God gave the answer. I mean, you got first thing pops in my mind is the story of Elijah. Yeah. Where everybody in the country hates him. The king and the queen think that he's the worst person ever. He has prophesied that God is going to send this drought into this land and everybody hates him for it because drought equals famine, which back then would equal all parts of life wealth, safety, food, everything in an agrarian culture. So for what kind a, of culture? Agrarian culture. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, dropping Once that. again, we're going to drop some big words today. Some SAT Welcome words Welcome back, coming. everybody. Okay. But when Elijah's story is read throughout the Bible, one thing that is consistent to me is that he was doing exactly what God told him to do. It didn't matter what everybody else in the world was telling him because everybody in the, else in his life really was against him. Yeah. Everybody else in his life either wanted him dead or wanted him to change what he was saying or to go along with what the flow was of that culture. Um, but he resolutely trusted God, and he followed what God told him to do, regardless yeah. of how got hard it got. Um, I also think of Noah. Yeah. I mean, Noah, everybody was like, who's the old guy building the boat in the desert? And yet he was obedient, and when the flood came, he and his family were ready. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's knowing who has the answers. Now, the second part of this for me is, okay, God has the answers, and yes, there's going to be seven great years. It's going to be awesome. But then there's going to be seven really, really difficult years. And so it's how do we manage through the seasons of life? Because life has seasons to it, yeah. not just winter, spring, summer, and fall, but life has seasons. And so well, let me back up because we haven't gotten to the interpretation of the okay. dream yet. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. So because Jeff is talking about seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. Yeah. And that is Joseph's interpretation of Pharaoh's dream, in case you guys are kind of confused on where we're at. When Pharaoh asked Joseph to interpret his dream, and Joseph responded in verse 16, well, I can't do this, but God, the God who I serve will. Um, he explains to Pharaoh that there are going to be seven years of great wealth and great amounts of water and great crops. It's going to be perfect for seven years in Egypt, and then that's going to be followed by seven years of famine where the entire country in Egypt is going to be enveloped by just horrible, horrible dryness, if I can say it that way. There's going to be just this incredible drought, and it's going to really destroy all of the landscape. 
So that's that's kind of the correlation to our own lives Jeff's talking about here because we do go through seasons of life where it's really, really good sometimes. And that's good. We can celebrate those moments. But there's also going to be seasons of life where it's going to be very difficult. It's going to be dry. It's going to feel dead. And it's going to be hard to get through it. And that's exactly what Joseph was telling Pharaoh. He's saying, hey, there's going to be seven years. There's going to be a season when life is going to be really good. But it's going to be followed by a season where life is going to get really bad. And you need to be prepared for both. Um, Jeff, can you think of times in your own life where you had a season where things were really good? But you knew in the back of your mind that you were going to have to prepare also and praise God in seasons where it wasn't going to be so good. Sure. I think you can you can look. All of us can probably look through our, our own lives and say, boy, that was a great season. And we know that hard seasons were coming. I think, you know, ministry in itself, we had a great season when I was a youth director many years ago with a, a great group of kids. And we saw them grow and we've seen them grow into parents now and amazing things. But we knew it was going to be hard when those kids left. It was going to be a real challenge because we had grown so close to those kids. We knew them from eighth grade all the way through their senior year. And, and so there was a transition. And, you know, that can be hard. And, and I think transitioning from that season of abundance to maybe a season of want is really hard. And, you know, we find ourselves in that kind of culture now in the pandemic where maybe things were going really well. And we had this season of connections and being with people. And now we're in this transition where we don't have as much access to people as we like or the freedom of movement as we like. And so how do we, how do we stay focused? How do we stay strong? How do we find answers in, in the midst of life? And I think that there's transitions are hard, transitioning jobs, transitioning relationships, transitioning kids. And I think what we see here with Joseph is he's pointing Pharaoh to God. He's saying, okay, you're trying to figure out what these dreams mean. Here's what I'm telling you. There's going to be a period of transition. Yes, you're going to have seven great years. Then you're going to have seven tough years. And, and God is in the midst of the plenty, and God is in the midst of the want. And I think that, to me, is, is the lesson, is knowing that God is in the midst of both of those things. And have how have you experienced God, let's say, in the midst of plenty, and how have you experienced God in maybe the midst of want? Mm. Yeah, I think that's exactly what this is about, is to recognize that God is in the midst of all of this. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the core of the message today. I really do love that. I know for me, in times of my life, whether it was back when I was in high school, and I really started plugging in with my youth group, and I felt like... I was getting closer and closer to God. I was really growing to college when I went to a Christian university, and um, I really had an opportunity to start leading and took on some roles and took a, a ministry position with a church. Um, those felt like really great years of plenty. Um, those felt very uh, satisfying, I guess you could say, fulfilling. Um, but then there have also been either in those times, because I remember when I was in high school, for example, I, I lost a friend's group and it was a very lonely season. And then ironically, when I was in college, I lost another type of friend's group and it was another lonely season as well. So there were highs and lows. The roller coaster of life was going and that continues, you know, even with current day stuff, whether it's us in the church and trying to figure out how to do this pandemic season together. There have been great highs and great lows. Um, you know, I'm reminded of a story that I love. It's this little illustration of a man who's walking with Jesus on a beach, and they're walking together, and 
the way the word picture goes is that as the man continues to walk, he realizes that Jesus has kind of disappeared. Like he's gone invisible. He doesn't know where he is. And he keeps walking and he has no idea where Jesus is gone. He's kind of looking around for him. And then sometime later, Jesus pops back up and the illustration says the man was so angry with Jesus. And he said, where did you go over those last several feet or those last several miles I was walking? And Jesus said, well, I've always been with you. What do you mean? And the man turns around and he says, look, there's one set of footprints for all of those miles I've just been walking down the beach. You were nowhere to be found. And Jesus smiles at him. And the illustration ends with Jesus saying, for those last several miles or whatever have you, I've been carrying you through those. That footprints is mine. And I think that's such a great reminder that God is in the middle of the good and the bad. And sometimes it's really hard to recognize that. Yeah, it can be painful, you know, but God isn't. I mean, I, I think of the story of Job. You know, Job had had everything. He lost everything. He got, I mean, God is in the midst of everything. And sometimes it doesn't feel like it. And maybe some people listening today, maybe they're in that season of want. Um, but God is, is in that. Um, maybe they have a big question. God has that answer. And, you know, Joseph was in a position where he could point other people to the place where they could find hope, the place that they would find an answer, the place that they would know that in the midst of plenty or want, God is in the middle of this. You know, even in the pandemic, God is in the middle of this. You know, Romans 1 um, tells us, for God works for the good in all things. And, and I think that phrase, all things, is so important. And whether you're having a season of, of plenty or whether you're having a season of want, God is in the middle of that. And, you know, we see that, that Pharaoh recognizes that. And, and, and Pharaoh takes great action here. Because of Joseph's obedience, because of Joseph pointing God, putting God front and center, he really changes Joseph's life and interrupts it now. How, do, how, do, how does he interrupt it? And we'll get into this as we move down the road a little bit. But Yeah, no, it's pretty profound as we kind of move through chapter 41. And we're not going to finish it today because 41 is a pretty big chapter, you guys. But after Joseph interprets the dream to Pharaoh, and remind you, Joseph is a prisoner and a slave. He should have no business being around the king of Egypt. But after he interprets this dream, Pharaoh realizes and recognizes the wisdom that is inside of Joseph. He sees that he is saying things and he understands things that no other man in his kingdom could understand. So Pharaoh, who doesn't know God, who wouldn't even know who Yahweh was, Pharaoh recognizes that there's something special about Joseph. And his response when Joseph says there's going to be seven years of plenty and there's seven years of famine coming after it, you need to be prepared. Pharaoh's response down here in verse 37, he says, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh. And he said to all of his officials, can we find anyone like this man, Joseph, one in whom is the Spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one else so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be in charge of my palace and my kingdom, and all of my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Pharaoh makes Joseph the governor of Egypt, and he puts him in charge of all of the storage of food and all the preparation that's going to have to take place throughout those seven years of plenty so that they can survive the seven years of famine. That's incredible. 
Well, and it's amazing to me how God was working in the midst of Joseph's life being interrupted as a prisoner. Mm. You know, when we look back at all that he has been through, God has been working and in the midst of clearly what's a season of famine for Joseph. I mean, you're in prison for two years. You've been accused of something by Potiphar's wife. Your brothers have sold you into slavery. All of those things are major interruptions and disruptions in his life. But because Joseph was obedient, because he pointed people to God, all of a sudden we see him going, which is ironic in this story, from a season of want to now being the governor. And sometimes God uses kind of our difficult seasons to set up a great season of life. And I know a lot of times people say, is my situation ever going to get better? Are we ever going to come through this pandemic? Are we ever going to get through the relationship challenges or kid challenges or financial challenges or marriage challenges? God may be using your current situation to set you up for something better, a better season to come. And so not just better for you. Yeah, other people. But better for everybody else. Absolutely. That's the key here, guys. It's not that Joseph's life is just going to get better for his own sake. Joseph is about to make everybody's life better in Egypt. And I think that is so key. God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, according to Romans 8.28. But that good doesn't always mean just us. Yeah, that's a great it's point. It's everybody around us. And how cool is it that Joseph's life, which was a sacrifice. Yep. I mean, he really did sacrifice his childhood and his young adulthood as a slave and as a prisoner. And that's not fair. We don't want to make light of that. But the reality is there was a greater good behind that. And the purpose was the salvation of an entire country. Um, It doesn't get much better than that. No, and it just shows you God is in the midst. He's in the midst of the seasons of famine. He's in the midst of the seasons of want. God has a plan for whatever season you're in in life, and it's not just to bless you. It's to bless other people. So we are grateful that you could join us. I hope this is an encouragement for you, whatever season you're in, whatever big question that you're trying to wrestle with right now, Go to God. God has that answer. And as we get ready to to head out, Joe's going to sing us out with a 98-degree song just to kind of get us going. So, Joe, take it away. Oh, man, I don't even think I would know a 98-degree song anymore. That's so embarrassing that I can't think of one. I'll just say this. We love you guys. Thank you so much for jumping in with us. Um, Thank you for letting us interrupt your life today. And we truly hope that you are hearing God is working in the midst of your season Regardless of how it feels or what's going on, he is always in control. Amen to that. Thank you for joining us. We hope to see you at the Stumble Inn. If you want to come down for worship, join us online for Facebook Live and get all the information about our ministries at threetimbers.org. Have a great day.